Welcome back to the Facts About PACs podcast, brought to you by NABPAC, the National Association of Business Political Action Committees. I am your host, Michaela Isler, NABPAC's Executive Director. And I'm Abigail Cave. And I'm Adam Belmar. And this is the number one PAC podcast in America. Hashtag fact. Hashtag fact about PACs. You know, at my house, we celebrated America's birthday and had a fine time doing it. Same here. We celebrated by setting our camp chairs up on the side of the interstate in Cheyenne and watching the fireworks. That sounds like so much fun. Were they like a really normal kind of 4th of July fireworks or were they different this year? It was definitely more of a 360 degree experience because everybody just bought fireworks and was setting them off in their backyards. So I would say it was more fun this year. Yeah, we were really nervous about setting off our own fireworks, and uh, we definitely did not need to be worried about that. I definitely think the whole entire country was on the same page there. Well, welcome to episode 14, everybody. It's July, and you might think we'd take our foot off the gas here at the Facts About Packs, but that is not the case. We are accelerating into the turn, bringing our best podcast game yet. Our special guest today is Mary Ryan Douglas, Director of Political Programs for the American Pharmacists Association. Uh, Mary Ryan was just elected to the NABPAC Board of Directors for her first two-year term, and so we are excited for this opportunity to speak with her today. But first, Adam, if you'd be so kind. The Facts About PACs podcast is produced especially for the members of the National Association of Business PACs. In every episode, we recap this week's NABPAC activities share actionable intelligence, and best practices, all while connecting the PAC community. And Michaela, today's episode of the Facts About PACs podcast is brought to you by Access Marketing Services. Access provides full-service creative marketing solutions backed by the industry's best data, polling, and engagement strategy to ensure you reach the right people the right way with the right message. Thanks, Adam, and thanks, Access Marketing Services, for your support today and support of NAPAC and the Facts About PACs podcast, the number one PAC podcast in America. Access Marketing Services has been a true partner to NAPAC. So I have to say, guys, it's eerily quiet in D.C. right now. Uh, I think people are finally trying to unplug a little bit. You know, certainly socially distanced, maybe on a beach or at the pool, uh, but really just I can sense that this is a time where folks are really trying to take a step back and maybe step away a little bit, recharge and prepare for the second half of the year. I'm not sure if y'all are feeling that way, but I guess I'm concerned. I don't know what might be coming our way after these first six months of the year. Uh, a Joe Biden whistle stop tour to the convention? where the killer bees, the killer wasps, but I do know we need this moment to clear our minds so that we can jump back and be ready for whatever lies ahead. Oh, I like that idea of a Joe Biden whistle stop tour. Amtrak Joe hits the rails, goes old school on Donnie T. I think that's a brilliant idea. I don't know if it's more or less likely than murder hornets, but I like it. Interesting thought. I don't think Joe Biden will make it out west on a train, but we'll, let's let that thought bake a little bit more, Belmar. Out here in the West, on, in terms of campaign, things are picking up. Wyoming has kept its COVID numbers low, and knock on wood, we keep it that way. Things are picking up. We're hitting fair season in the next couple weeks, so we will be, as a campaign, hopping from fair to fair, checking out some sheep and some steers. I also hear there's a dollhouse competition in some of these, so... Maybe there'll be some pictures for you all to enjoy. 
So today we are pleased to have Mary Ryan Douglas with us on the show. As mentioned, she's the current director of political programs at the American Pharmacists Association, where she has more than doubled the pack over her three-year tenure. She has an extensive background in campaign fundraising, beginning her political career as a field intern for the Obama campaign, and has worked on numerous campaigns, the DNC, the DCCC, and, you know, really just a huge advocate for the business PAC community, has been a great partner for NAPAC, particularly over the last year, and has been very vocal and direct with those candidates that have taken the No PAC pledge. So we're excited to talk with you today. Mary Ryan, welcome to the Facts About PACs podcast. Thanks so much, Michaela. It's great to be here. For the benefit of our listeners, if you could give us a little bit of background, I think with your campaign fundraising, working for the DCCC, you really bring a unique perspective to the business PAC community. Sure, absolutely. Gosh, I can't believe the Obama campaign was so long ago. I feel ancient. Um, But I have been in D.C. since 2013. Um, I spent Uh, nearly five years previously working on uh, various Democratic political campaigns, and then another four years and 19 days, not that I was counting, at the DCCC or the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. My focus, um, other than that one uh, field job to kind of get my foot in the door, has always been in fundraising, and I've always worked for or on behalf of moderate Democrats, you know, those folks in swing districts whose races require the most resources and who often have the closest ties to the business community on the D side of the aisle, kind of the pragmatists from my perspective. So how did you make the jump into the business PAC community? I was able to get to know a lot of the members of Congress and candidates um, supported by the DCCC very well during my time there, as well as other PAC professionals, um, political and official side staff. So after the 2016 election, I decided that I wanted to go from um, raising money from other organizations, mainly political action committees, for a large-ish group of folks, which was the frontline members and red-to-blue candidates at the DCCC, you know, shallow but very wide pond uh, to something a little bit more deeper and smaller. So I looked at my options and networked with folks that I had gotten to know over my time at the DTRIP and the opportunity at the American Pharmacists Association came about It looked like a wonderful organization. I could easily support their mission. And their PAC clearly had a lot of growth opportunity. So as a PAC professional, Mary Ryan, I'm wondering, when you take a look at the mission, and you obviously want to be impactful, that's why you've been with American pharmacists and helped grow that PAC so much in the years you've been there. But when you think about the criticism that PACs are under in general, I sometimes have trouble telling people, look, this is the right way, the transparent way for people to participate in the process. How do you, how do you tackle that? Yeah, this is what I call my passion project. I was really disappointed to see the way that political advocacy has changed in the past two, three years with the emergence of anti-PAC rhetoric within the political community and really with the general public, the the electorate. I was shocked and frustrated at how traditional political action committees were really used as a wedge issue in 2018 and continuing on, although hopefully to a lesser extent now that we have a pandemic to focus on. um, 
that that approach in 2018 just seemed really short-sighted and politically expedient, not good policy. It, it wasn't nuanced. So I think that one of the the things that are most important for moving forward are just acknowledging that money in politics sounds bad to a lot of Americans, and we need to help clarify that narrative internally to members of Congress and candidates and to the public. Well, Mary Ryan, you have uh, certainly helped NABPAC tremendously beginning with last summer and trying to, I, I would say we were kind of crusaders in meeting with various frontline candidates and uh, the DCCC and trying to, to your point, just explain the difference and, you know, how the PAC community, uh, the business PAC community is the most transparent, you know, form of engagement in the political process. Um, what are you hearing when you talk to those candidates directly about the pledge that they've taken? A lot of them feel as if they did not have all of the information when they made that decision. And often it is a decision that they regret, not across the board, but I've spoken with a few who have said like, gosh, I really wish there was a way out of it. I didn't understand what this was. And I think that we need to continue developing relationships, even with those members who did take the pledge and those who haven't yet, helping them find another talking point or a position to take. As you just said, I've always believed that transparency, at least for Democrats, and personally, I would argue for everyone, um, transparency is the best way to do that. It, it recognizes that there are some things wrong and could be improved. It uh, doesn't limit your relationship building or fundraising ability. It doesn't alienate your constituents or potential constituents, and it doesn't require you to explain the difference between a traditional PAC and a super PAC. I think we need to remain engaged with folks who are running for office, who hold office, and also um, some of the other groups within uh, the larger political arena, some of the caucuses, um, some of the party committees, and some of the more uh, unofficial groups that that come about. You know, Mary Ryan, I feel like that was such a outstanding recitation of the right reasons to better understand that you make a decision at one point and you've got to open your eyes when you get more information. And I feel like that's got to be something that we want in all of our lawmakers, somebody to say, I learned more about the subject. This is, as you just said, Mary Ryan, nuanced. It requires refinement of our language and understanding, but ultimately those distinctions really are there. And I, I just appreciate you articulating it the way you did. Well, I think it's important to let folks know that, that we're here. And even if they won't accept employee-funded PAC contributions right now, that you know we'll, we'll be here uh, if or hopefully when they're, they're ready to pivot, um, both financially and then also with, with messaging. Mary Ryan, we met when you started coming to the NABPAC Next Gen, and I've just been super impressed and happy with how you took that under your wing, but then also take 
younger, not that you're old by any stretch of the imagination, but younger PAC professionals, newer PAC professionals under your wing and encourage them down that road. How do you think with this anti-PAC rhetoric and all this stuff, we can keep bringing new and diverse people into NAVPAC and into the PAC community? Well, I would say that I am old and I'm not quite sure I really belong in NextGen, but they're a, they're a great group of people and I really enjoyed getting to know them in many ways because this is my first position outside of strictly campaign related fundraising and, and really in a PAC job, I kind of feel like the blind leading the blind somehow. <laughs> um, but I, I will say that I think that some of the uh, points that others have raised regarding NAPAC being viewed as, you know, not diverse in a number of ways, uh, including, you know, ethnicity and uh, political ideology. Whenever I'm talking with others in the PAC world or others who may want to get into the PAC world, I talk about how this is not an exclusive com community at all. It's a great place for you to just lean on other people who are doing the same things you are and going through the same challenges and struggles and opportunities that you are. And they're just also really fun. Like, well, we all work for political action committees. None of the conversations are ever hyper-partisan. I would say they're not really even partisan at all. And everyone really respects everyone else's view. I think the one thing that unites us all is that we believe in, you know, the process and engaging our employees and member companies to participate. We have millions of employees that choose to participate in the political process through their political action committees. And we know through, you know, some of the BIPAC surveys that really employees do rely on this information as their number one source of political information. And most of the, the communication is uh, nonpartisan. It's really just how to get out and vote and find your polling location and how to be a good, engaged citizen in the process. Um, you know, talking about your PAC specifically, uh, just curious kind of how the last four months have been for you and engaging your members through this global pandemic. The past four months have been a challenge for the APHA PAC, as I think is common for many, many, many NAVPAC members. Um, unfortunately, we canceled our live in-person uh, annual meeting quite late in the game. It was scheduled for the third weekend in March, and we made that decision right before then. Um, and the annual meeting is a big revenue source for the APHA PAC because we have several events that highlight and benefit the PAC during the annual meeting. So folks who either donated to the PAC in advance with the expectation of attending that event or who would have more or less contributed at the door, some folks wanted a refund, which we of course gave them, sadly, but you know, it was the right thing to do. Um, and then there was also that, that revenue that we didn't get because we didn't have the meeting. So we've really stepped up our advocacy communications, less so on the fundraising uh, explicitly, but we've sent out multiple emails just sort of highlighting what we have been doing in the advocacy space. Um, some have been COVID-19 specific, and some have been uh, 
what else we're doing in order to remind our members that COVID-19 is not the only issue that we're engaged in. I've also reached out to donors one-on-one to gauge their level of um, ability or interest to engage with the PAC, really just to, to check in and see how folks are doing, and then, if appropriate, make that direct ask. And in many of our email solicitations, um, or our email communications, especially in the past, I would say, month or so, as things have gotten a little bit clearer, I've included a, a soft ask in that, in in those communications, something to the effect of, you know, if your budget permits. Um, and then beyond that, I'm, I'm excited that we are hosting our first virtual fundraiser benefiting the APHA PAC later this month. Um, and we're going to use it as a benefit for past contributors of 250 and above, and then target those folks who are between 50, maybe 100, and 249 to say, if you'd like to participate, make an additional investment now, and then you can come to this event. We're planning several other um, virtual events that will either be strict fundraisers for the PHA PAC, although probably quite low dollar, and benefits for existing PAC donors. I want our audience to know that the American Pharmacists Association, people who are your members, Mary Ryan, are truly essential workers. I mean, being able to keep Americans alive and safe at home during this time, we've leaned on so many in our communities, but pharmacists are so incredibly critical. And I feel like there's something that we just should stop and say thank you to your entire membership because um, I don't know that we'd have made it this far without them. Yeah, absolutely. Our pharmacists represent folks across all different practice settings from those community pharmacies to hospitals and health systems to some of the chains as well as folks in academia and then more um specialty pharmacy like nuclear or compounding, and everyone has been impacted by COVID-19 directly in their professional lives. And we are fighting very hard to make sure that they are recognized because pharmacists have more education and training than any other healthcare professional on medication use. And they are being leaned on from everyone in their community and everyone in their company to to support us all and we have been using that messaging in our efforts to communicate to our members why they need to invest in the PAC because legislators today are making decisions that will affect pharmacy practice in the future and we need to make sure that those folks who are helping pharmacists get recognized for their work on the front lines during this pandemic are reelected. Well, Mary Ryan, we want to thank you so much for being with us today on the Facts About Puck on the Facts About PACs podcast. Uh, we know you have your work cut out for you, but um, just two big thanks. One, we're thrilled, as I said, to have you on the NABPAC Board of Directors. Uh, and also just you've been instrumental in helping us uh, with continuing to, to build our relationships on the Hill and with some key constituencies. And I just want to thank you very much for your leadership there. Thanks. Well, a big thanks to all of our listeners. We wouldn't be the number one pack podcast in America without all of you. So until next week, stay safe, stay engaged, and keep moving forward.